You're listening to the Teach Better Talk podcast featuring expert educators eager to share progressive tactics to reach more students. Teach Better Talk is created by teachers and fueled by passion. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 34 of Teach Better Talk. I am Ray Hewart and as always, I'm with the fabulous, the amazing, the King Jeff Gargas. The King, really? Did you just go there? I'm trying to get some new. I was good with fabulous and maybe the King. All right, okay. Let's do it this way. If you're listening to this podcast, can you email me what you think the word should be for Jeff Gargas every single week? (laughs) Yeah, tweet that out too. Like tweet at Ray Hewer at Jeff Gargas and hashtag Teach Better. Tell us what you think Ray should call me. That can yes. get dangerous really fast. You know what? I've got some words I haven't been able to use yet, but if we're going there, let's go. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> anyway, aside from the incredible, the amazing Jeff Gargas, um, we really have a great episode that I'm excited for y'all to be listening to. Before we get into any of that, Jeff, is your week going well? My week is going fantastic. It's off to a great start. Super excited. Always excited to... Um, get to start our week by doing podcast recordings. For those who don't know, we record on Mondays, which means we get to start our week off talking to awesome educators every week. And that is really, really cool. And I'm really, really excited about that. Um, super excited about tonight. Um, we've got uh, Susan Jehemniak on. And I think I said your last name correctly. You can correct okay. me if I didn't. I did. All right. Awesome. And Susan has been uh, she's, she's actually a first year teacher. She's in her first year as a fourth grade teacher just outside of Chicago. Um, but Susan's been in our PLN for a while now. She's been an active member in our mastery chat on Thursday nights, um, for I think well over a year now while she was in her in service and learning and, and growing. And it was super excited for all of us to see her, uh, you know, graduate and take off and, and land her first job. And now she's in almost halfway through uh, her first year. So really excited just to talk about that and hear how your experience is going and everything, Susan. But first, how are you feeling today? How are you feeling tonight? I'm feeling good. That's good. I'm excited. It was a a simple, short and sweet answer. I'm feeling good. That's all we need to know, right? I love it. Beautiful. Susan, did you have a snow day today? I did. Nice. So you got a lot of work done, I'm sure. Yes. Well, I was sick this weekend, so I actually got to rest as well. So that was nice. Good recovery day. That's good. Needed. Good. Well deserved. I while I really like being in school, the snow day today was kind of nice to catch up on work. So for all of you that live in the areas where snow is prevalent, we do kind of like those snow days. But <laughs> excited to be back to school tomorrow. So before we get into too much, asking you a ton of questions about your first year of teaching and all the amazing things you've been able to do very early in your career, which we're excited to highlight. Uh, Jeff gave you a really great little introduction. We'd love to hear more about how you describe yourself when somebody asks you, oh, hey, Susan, what do you do? I'm a fourth grade teacher, and I would say that I'm passionate about growth mindset and really getting students to achieve their goals. I know that my students had a hard time at the beginning kind of goal setting, but I'm working with them on trying to set a reasonable goal, and it's nice to see them obtain it and work towards that. And I also know that a lot of my students tend to be nervous about math and just don't feel like they're good at it. So I've been embracing that growth mindset and trying to really get them to think differently about what they're doing. Love it. So let's talk. So you're in your your first year now, Susan, and you're just coming out of 
out of out of school and training for it and getting in there and you're learning as you go. Um, you know, we talk a lot in our in our PLN and mastery chats and our Teach Better team and everything and around and Twitter and everything else about failure and and learning from it and embracing it. Um, so I'd love to talk to you about that. Can you share a time that you've had a failure where um, where, you, where you felt like you failed? Can you tell us what it was that happened, how it made you feel? How did you overcome that? And then what did you take away from that? I feel like this first year, is a, it has a lot of trial and error because I'm always trying different things and some are working and some aren't, but I'm willing to kind of realize that and change it. I know that I put my students in groups towards the second month of school because I thought that they could handle it and because I've been with them and I've seen that they grew. But then after that one period of them just kind of not knowing the routine and not knowing how groups worked in my classroom, I told them like, okay, we're going to have to go back to rows and kind of figure it out. And now I put them again in groups and it's working so much better. But I realized that I needed to really lay out my expectations for them so that they know what I expect. And now we're making progress on that. But I know that I had to really quickly reflect and change things just to make it through that day. And then when I went home, I had to think about how to make things better for the next day. You know, Susan, it's it's really interesting as we, we actually talk about newer teachers on this podcast pretty frequently. And whether you're new in the field or have been in the field for 30 years, that, that idea of continuously needing to reflect on any decision we make is so essential. You know, uh, you know, you get into the classroom, you have all these dreams, right? You have all these things you want to achieve. And I can say that very easily for you because you were somebody that even before you got the first teaching job, you were so passionate. You knew you had incredible goals. You're going to change the face of education. And some of those decisions are so challenging to make. And so to be able to try something, reflect a bit on it, and then try it again is is really powerful. I think there's a lot of teachers out there that have tried things that said, oh, it didn't go well, never doing that again. And the importance of going back to, okay, why did I need the students working in groups? Why is it more valuable to not have them in rows? Okay, if I if I know what I'm working towards, what steps do I need to take to ensure that they can really handle working in groups? I mean, you joke about setting your expectations up front and center. I teach students that are two or three years older than yours, and we practice. I mean, we literally practice how do you turn and talk to somebody, and then how do you refocus back on a student speaker, or how do you go into more of a self-paced environment. And and my students like kind of laugh at, at practicing those things. You know, Miss Heward, I know how to talk to my friends. You know, Miss Heward, I know how to listen well. And it's like, I know you do. So let's practice it. Really master that skill. <laughs> and, I, and I love, Ray, you touched on it. And Susan, your your your, your story you shared with us was, was spot on. And, and uh, you know, too often we, we talk about failure. And a lot of times I think some, sometimes it can get misconstrued that when we fail and when we we reflect and change what we do, a lot of people take that as cutting and deciding that that didn't work. So I'm moving on to something else. I'm changing what I was thinking where I love how Ray, how you brought that back to reflecting on why did I originally try to do that thing? Why did I try to make this change in my classroom? And why do I need to go back to it? Even though it didn't work the first way I tried, I went back. I think that's such an important lesson to know that, yeah, we fail and we reflect on what we did. Sometimes that means we did the wrong thing. We need to change it. But a lot of times it means we just need to change the way we did it. And Susan, that's what you did there. And I love that you you shared that it was, all right, I made a mistake. It didn't work. So I, I, I reset, got them back in rows, figured out how to do it better, 
went at it a different way, set, set your expectations up and did it. That's a true way of reflecting, learning, and going back at it. So really appreciate you sharing that story. That was great. So now let's flip it around. Can you tell us about a time that you've had a success? And this could be something big or small, but tell us what happened. Why was it a success for you? And then what did you take away from that? So I've been trying to do growth mindset things in my classroom, and I'm starting out small because, of course, I just started my career. So I'm kind of trying to implement things from Joe Bowler and I have a bulletin board of growth mindset phrases in my room. And my students, they seem to be picking up on it, but at first they weren't understanding what that meant. But one of the parents messaged me a few weeks ago about how she loves that I give the students chances to reassess. And of course, it's not, I'm not doing anything major, but I'm just letting them go back and fix it and explain what they did wrong. And she said that she wanted to bring that up to someone in my school who's an administrator and kind of brag about that approach a little bit because she was impressed that I'm doing that. But then she was asking if I have buy-in from colleagues, which they do reassessment as well, but I feel like it's hard because I'm trying to do something different. And I don't want to overstep or do too much. So I'm kind of trying to figure out a system that works for the school that I'm at and what I plan on doing in the future. It's so funny. I remember trying to really purposefully implement growth mindset in my classroom for the first time and how funny it is now years later being like what do you mean purposely implement growth mindset so important it should be something that's that's purposely implemented from the start so I love to hear that that's your focus this year um have you reached out to any mentors or experts to figure out how to implement that as purposefully as possible to your students I was just doing a chat so I do the ATA assess chat on Tuesday nights and I know that one of my former cooperating teacher sent me her book about assessment. And then I received a book today from another person that focuses on reassessment. So I know I'm looking over those chapters to see what I can take out of it because I feel like I have a system, but it's not where I want it to be at. And I also don't want to do something too different because our school doesn't really do standards-based grading because we do traditional. So I'm trying to figure out a way to encompass that within the system that I'm using right now. Yeah, there's so many ways. I'm so glad that you're exploring that. Jeff, you and I talk about how that's like the gray area, right? And that mm-hmm. gray area, there's a ton of tools in educators toolbox to help you kind of bridge that gap. So that will be really important. I It's funny what, what you think of when you start talking to educators on this podcast. I remember having like stem, uh, sentence stems and, and things on, you know, little pieces of paper take to students' desks to have them question each other and, you know, challenge each other to use the word yet and, you know, ask, you know, give each other uh, reflection questions they could ask one another or themselves. You know, it's just, it's funny how we all get into that to really help students have that reflective mindset. Well, one of the things that I wanted to ask you is outside of your focus on growth mindset, what is getting you so excited about education right now and everything that you're doing? I'm just excited that I feel like a lot of it is more individualized. Like I try to do differentiation in my classroom to a certain extent because, of course, I was kind of trying to get teach to the middle. But I want to teach to that those students who aren't getting it and then the students who are reaching the standard and kind of moving past. So I know that I have students, by now I've kind of figured out their ability level. So I'm trying to differentiate my math instruction a little bit and I'm giving students the chance to either kind of catch up on the basics or be pushed a little bit. So I'm there being more comfortable with letting me know where they're at. And then we kind of work together and try to figure out a way to go from there because I don't want my students to be bored. And 
a lot of them seem to be getting the content pretty quickly. So I know that that's been definitely beneficial to see that there's more push towards those that individualized learning and having students work at their own level. Hey, what's up? It's Jeff. Don't worry, we're going to get right back to the episode, but I really want to check out and make sure that you are connected with us on social media. Ray and I and the entire Teach Better team want to connect with you. We want to hear your stories. We want to be a part of your journey. We want to be there to support you in any way we can, and we want to learn and grow with you. So please connect with us. Everything we have is at Teach Better Team. And then, of course, make sure you connect with me at Jeff Gargas and Ray at Ray Hewitt. Let's get back to the episode. What hurdles have you uh, come in contact with when exploring this? Have you found things that have worked really well for your students and then things that also maybe you did and you're like, gosh, I need to change that a little bit? I feel like at the beginning, I know that I was kind of hesitating in that push towards giving them different things to work on. But I think I started it two weeks ago where I was trying to just have worksheets that come with the textbook, but are at different levels. And I'm like, okay, this is optional. And I just kind of was like, who feels like they're ready for this? And who wants a challenge? And the kids were raising their hands and they were excited and they took it home and they worked on it and they brought it back to me and we looked it over and they seemed to be excited about pushing themselves. Like I had kids who were saying that they didn't understand it and wanted to give it back to me, but I was like, try it and see at least if you can put an answer down because I'm not going to be looking at it for complete, like I'm more saying that they completed it, but I want them to be able to be pushed. But then after a while, they started to work on it and they did really well and they got it. So I enjoyed seeing that light bulb moment go off. And I realized that that was something that I needed to do more of because I want my students again to learn at their own pace. So something you brought up, Susan, that I really enjoy, I want to make sure all of our listeners hear. When you start something, you can use the resources that are accessible to you right now. You know, while we, you know, as educators that are trying to be very progressive, you know, exploring PBL and SBG and, you know, all these incredible strategies to differentiate UDL, all these things, it doesn't always mean that you're recreating the wheel. It doesn't always mean that you need to go outside of resources that are comfortable because sometimes trying new things is not only challenging, but it's scary and you don't know how it's going to work. So to be able to listen to, you know, yeah, I am using a textbook and yeah, there are worksheets that are associated with what we're learning. So utilizing those resources right now to ensure that you can start dipping your toes into how to really differentiate and scaffold that that learning is really important and powerful. A good reminder for all the teachers that are listening. I have to ask you though, Susan, is there anything that you've learned? I know you've only been in the classroom for about half a year, but hey, half a year, that's a really big success. And you're almost like halfway done, right? And then we can have this big party at the end. You survived your first year. <laughs> we talked to Lavana Roth about that of one episode before, talking about like high-fiving somebody who got through their first year teaching. Um, that's how we're feeling about you, where your cheerleaders getting through this. But what advice so far do you feel like you really want to emphasize for our new teachers, either getting into the career for the first time or um, maybe they've been in the field for a while but need to have a very important reminder? I think the importance of obviously being connected with other educators is crucial. I know that I'm always on Twitter because I started a PLN, and that has been instrumental because when you're starting out, it's nice to know that you're not alone, especially. Like, of course, I have colleagues that I really enjoy, and they're super helpful, but it's nice to be able to connect online with others who are in the same position and kind of asking those questions and getting advice. But I think another thing is just 
to not hesitate to ask for help and to know that you don't need to know everything because I think at the beginning you could easily get overwhelmed because you want to be perfect and you have that ideal vision of being that perfect teacher and then you start and things just pile up and you realize that you can't get everything done and you're trying your best, but it's not always as clear cut as it seems, I guess. You know, something, Susan, that you do so well is growing that network. And I know that it's hard if we're still teaching. I know that you're, you know, trying things and reflecting and it feels like this uphill battle, but I'm so confident that you will get there. But I love your focus on social media, building that network. Because even through all the stress that schools can bring and and teaching brings, having a network to be able to reflect and bounce ideas off is so important. And for our listeners, a lot of the teachers that I continue to connect with are new to social media. They've, you know, just created an account on Twitter or they're just new to Instagram and joining Facebook groups. So as somebody who's an expert in this, Susan, you really are an expert. You've been doing this for years how did you start? Was it scary? Was there something that inspired you or pushed you to really make that leap that maybe our listeners could really hold on to and and make that step themselves? I feel like you introduced me. I don't know. I feel like it was maybe my junior year, but I started grappling with that idea because I've heard you speak. I was like, oh, maybe I should start a Twitter account. And then after that, I started doing chats for just my like other student teachers and other pre-service teachers at my university. And we got teachers to connect. And then after that, I started doing chats and it kind of escalated from there. But I definitely developed that passion. And then I couldn't resist getting on and just interacting with others because I realized how much I started to grow as an educator. And then I was getting resources and tips and books from teachers. And I just felt like it was a great way for me to grow. But I also felt like I was learning so much from others. So that was definitely helpful to be new to the profession, but I definitely don't feel like I'm alone. Like I feel like I have a huge network that is always cheering me on. And that's amazing to have, especially as a first year teacher. So I have the silliest few questions for you. Do you mind? You're going to like laugh at me when I ask you these questions. All right. One is for our listeners who were, were specifically targeting those teachers that have not made a commitment to growing their PLN, their personal learning network. And Susan, just like you said, you know, how you got started, Tell me, if I'm a new teacher, how do I figure out where to find hashtags? Like, what do I do with those? Tell me the basics. Well, I think I just went on. I know that I had an app, but I can't remember what the app was. But I had an app that just had all the educational chats. And I just kind of, at first, I heard it from someone. And then you honestly just entered a hashtag. But of course, I know that I heard from some from you. And then after that, you kind of have that crew of educators that you interact with and they started putting out hashtags and I was like, oh, what's this? And then I just went on the chat and I figured out like TLAP stands for teach like a pirate. Like I didn't realize that at the beginning, but after a while you kind of get that community and that same community leads you to other chats that you end up getting engaged in. So it's kind of opening the door to other like people that have a passion around that topic. So that's really cool. So let's 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 help everybody out then, Susan. Can you give us like three or five or fifteen hashtags? If I'm a new teacher, that's or not a new teacher, but a teacher who's new to social media, I'm thinking, okay, well, Susan did this; she can handle. Maybe I'll try to get on there and 
and mess around with Twitter and follow some hashtags, what are some good ones to get started on? You mentioned TLAP, T-L-A-P, yes. Teach Like a Pirate, which is a great one. Um, what are some of the other ones that you either like feel like helped you start growing or that you follow regularly now? I know that I used to go on, so it's hashtag kids deserve it was one that I really liked. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, your chat, hashtag mastery chat. I was on there pretty frequently. And then hashtag Ames Network. So that started, I believe, about a year ago. So I go on that. And that's more geared towards middle school teachers. So I like that one to connect with other educators within the state. And I'm trying to think of another one. I also do APA Assess. So that's on Tuesday nights. And that's more Mm. based on standards-based grading. But I started to dive into that because it's a lot of talk about assessment and math practices that are the best for our students. So I'm trying to go in and hear from other educators who have more experience and kind of figure out where I want to go with this. Yeah, a big piece that you highlighted, though, as you're labeling off all those hashtags, which is a great idea, Jeff. Thanks for bringing that up. But there are also, I loved when you said, Susan, that you had people you followed. So you started looking at what hashtags they were using. That is totally what mm-hmm. I did when I got on Twitter as well. And so, you know, I knew I was going to follow Jeff Gargas. So go to Jeff Gargas's profile. And I see that he's using, oh, okay, hashtag teach better. I can click on that and see all these people that are using the same hashtag, or I can go to hashtag hack learning, and I can see these see these things that people are using. I still do that. I still go to my, you know, people's pages and look at what hashtags they're using so I can learn more about, you know, feeds that I'm not involved in right now. Yeah, that's an awesome way to do it. Um, I, I was going to mention hashtag teach better. That's one that you should definitely get on as well. I was going to do a little plug there. Uh, and then I, I got to give a shout out to my dude, Adam, welcome and hashtag run LAP, run like a pirate. That's a great one if you're looking to get motivated to make changes and be better for yourself and stuff like that. So I love, thank you so much for sharing all that. I really appreciate you sharing um, everything there um, and and how you got started. I think that's super valuable stuff. So so now, Susan, we're going to give you a little bit of a challenge. I'm going to throw the next, next six questions at you pretty quickly. And the goal is to try and answer them in 15 seconds or less. Are you up for it? Yes. All right, here we go. What is one ed tech tool that you cannot live without? Clickers. Uh, what is one book that you're reading right now? Softening the Edges. And who do we need to follow on Twitter today? I would say Ray Hewitt. Nice. Yes. <laughs> What's the best YouTube channel or blog website for educators? I like Ted Ed. That's a good one. Nice, beautiful. Uh, and give us one daily, weekly, or monthly routine that you think every teacher should get into reflecting at the end of the day and what is the best piece of advice you have ever received that things don't always go as planned but you have to reflect and readjust oh that's a great one i think just nailed it i mean talk 15 i think it was like seven seconds i know you did great susan also you guys have to go follow susan on social media and not just me but also all of us (laughs) yes do that do that <laughs> well, Susan, it's been so fun being able to connect with you through this podcast. It's been, you know, Jeff mentioned it earlier, but being able to connect with future educators and watching their journey throughout, you know, being inspired to be a teacher, really remembering their why, and then getting into the field and utilizing their network to grow. You are such an incredible teacher. We're so excited to continue to learn from you as you further throughout your career. But I want to make sure that other people are able to do that too and able to connect with you and continue this conversation if they have questions and and learning more about your year. So how can people stay connected to you? So I have a Twitter account. 
So that's at Ms. Jehemiak, which is M-S-J-A-C-H-Y-M-I-A-K. And then I also do Pondering Education. So that's a podcast that I'm on this year. So I think I filmed three episodes so far. So that's kind of documenting my journey as a new teacher, which has been great to do because I get to reflect on usually a biweekly basis. So that's if you just search Pondering Education. I know that he has a section that's called The Journey, and then you could listen to me speak. So that's been great to be a part of. And then I also do a chat on Sundays on Twitter, which I forgot to mention in my hashtags, but it's hashtag new teacher journey. And that's really a chat geared towards new teachers and getting veteran teachers to connect and collaborate with us and give us advice. So powerful. Very cool. And you know that you can find all the links, all the resources, everything that we've mentioned in this episode over at teachbetter.com, as well as those really important links to connect with Susan so you can make sure you keep that conversation going with her. We'll have all of that over at uh, on the in the show notes, so make sure you head over to teachbetter.com for all of that. Be sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes. And if you can give us a rating and review, we'd really appreciate that as well. Susan, so happy to have you on the podcast um, like I said at the beginning, you've been in our, our network for so long now. It's been so awesome to watch you grow and take on your first year. We're so excited to, to watch you, you finish up the year and share all your reflection and just keep going and, and, and changing so many lives. And we're super excited and really happy to have you as part of our Teach Better family and the Master Chef family. And really appreciate you taking some time and hanging out with us and having some fun with us tonight. Oh, no problem. Thank you so much. And until next time, let's get out there. Let's teach better.